0: Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This is a painful story, but uplifting music. This is one of my very favourite things. A brilliant symphony by Robert Schumann. Sometimes I want to listen to something that's substantial but joyful. And meaty, but still over-quickly. And the thing that most frequently ticks that box for me in a hurry is Schumann's Symphony No. 4, in its first version. Now, if you listen to Cacophony regularly, you'll know that we don't generally go in for arcane musicological details, so you may be wondering why I bring this up. Well, it's a fascinating story, and I think it raises interesting questions about what it means to be creative, the balance between heart and mind, between thinking thinking too much and how when we look back on something from 10 years ago it can look like a lost an unknown world have you ever done a piece of work created something maybe and then had second thoughts and what happens then when you go back and look again is it possible to revise maybe over revise and end up with something that seems totally different that maybe has different impulses to the original because that's what we have here It's impossible to speak about Robert Schumann without talking about his more famous, at the time anyway, wife Clara, and their very close friend, the younger composer Johannes Brahms. Here's the story. In 1841, the symphonic or orchestral muse hits Robert Schumann, and he wrote a symphony for the first time. It went well, and he promptly sat down and wrote more. The symphony in D minor got its first performance at the end of that year. The audience weren't there to hear his symphony. They were there to hear his wife play the piano, alongside Franz Liszt. They were probably the two leading pianists of the day. The top conductor-slash-composer Felix Mendelssohn was supposed to conduct the new symphony. But he was away, and the orchestra didn't play it well with the substitute. To top it all, Robert's publishers were still pushing the first symphony, and they didn't want another too much of a good thing so turned down the new work. It's perhaps no wonder that he shoved it in a drawer, disappointed. Ten years later, with another two awesome symphonies under his belt, the symphony in D minor gets another look. Changes are made, and it's eventually published to Symphony Number no. 4. This is the version that is well known, but here's the thing. Robert Schumann was probably what we'd now call a manic-depressive, And he wrote most of his major works in sudden, intense bursts of creativity. So clearly two-sided was his personality that he even gave them names. And it wasn't in one of these intense creative periods that Schumann revised the piece. Which means that though the changes seem small, the effects are massive. That's the opening of the original. Now here's the revised version. only really noticeably different in that there's a timpani drum roll rather than a single stroke he's also filled out the texture of that chord but it all results in having a bit more heft more weight it changes the feeling from one of unfolding anticipation where you want to know what's coming to one of portent and portents are seldom of good things to come robert schumann led a deeply troubled life A couple of years after reworking the symphony, he threw himself into the River Rhine and wound up in an asylum where he died another two years later, aged 46 in 1856. Clara wasn't allowed to visit, though Brahms was, and he remained very close, very close to Clara, and also committed to promoting the music of her late husband. Many years later, Brahms digs out the original version of the Symphony No. 4 and has it published, expressly against the wishes of Clara, which resulted in them not speaking for two years. This is in 1891, when Clara and Brahms have known each other for nearly 40 years. Clara Schumann had maintained that the 1841 version was just sketches. But what Brahms found, and which she must have known, was something that was complete compelling, and written by someone deep in the flow of creativity. It was normal by now for symphonies to have around four movements, and it was common for audiences to applaud and demand encores of individual sections before they could move on to the next. Schumann breaks new ground, as far as I know, by running all the movements together. There are short linking passages, but the music just flows from one idea to the next, beginning with that anticipatory slow introduction that almost literally winds up into the first fast section. It's the first of many thrills of inventiveness. I love this bit. What Schumann did when he came back to the piece after ten years in the draw doesn't seem too much. He thickens the orchestra by giving some tunes to more than one instrument, doubling things up. He adds about eight minutes to the whole piece by putting in repeats of large chunks of the first and last movements, which audiences would have expected to have been there and which weren't in the original, and he makes some adjustments to the linking sections. Interestingly, He also changes all the tempo markings from Italian to German. We could speculate on what, if any, effect that has on how one plays the music for a whole another podcast, I'm sure. But the key thing is that when he came back to the piece, he was deeply depressed. One of the amazing things about Western classical music is that it's so open to interpretation. Different conductors or performers can make the same piece sound and feel very different you can choose to focus on or highlight different emotions. That's one of the reasons why things like Cacophony do a service, because we listen to lots of versions of the same thing, so you can cut straight to the one that, in our opinion, does a piece best justice. It's also what makes live shows so great, so interesting. Even in a piece you think you know inside out, there are always new things to hear. The best interpretations manage to lift the music off the page, fill it with life and some interpretations can work in the other direction. But it's rare for a composer to do this so explicitly to their own work. The conductor Simon Rattle, who always conducts only the first version of this piece, says that Schumann takes a piece that flies in the air and drags it forcibly to the ground, so you feel the depths of his depression. Perhaps Robert Schumann couldn't cope with the lightness the energy, the joy. And when Brahms published it, even 50 years after he wrote it, perhaps the memory of this Robert was too unbearable for Clara. On with Johannes Brahms and Simon Rattle. Schumann's Fourth Symphony from 1841 is light, serious, inventive, a thrilling stream of consciousness. It's full of life and deeply uplifting, and it's over inside 25 minutes. Click on the link in the notes that come with the podcast, get moved and thrilled, and then please tell me what you think. You can leave me an easy voice message, a comment at cacophonyonline.com, or you can turn to social media. Whichever way you choose, it's always great to hear from listeners. If you'd like to support Cacophony financially, you can, there's a link to coffee.com to do that. But most importantly, Please tell everybody you know about Cacophony. Come back for more next time, and thanks for listening.